Insiders, and a very pleasant good afternoon to you, wherever you may be. This is Inside Track host Bruce Ash and my co-host, Ed Wilkinson, coming to you live from the modern KVOI broadcast complex here in Tucson, Arizona, on a Super Bowl edition of Inside Track. Thanks for tuning in. We have another action-packed show for you today. After the first break, GOP candidate for Arizona Secretary of State, Shauna Bollock, returns to Inside Track for a second visit to update us on her campaign. In the second half of today's show, Inside Track friend, frequent contributor Terry Schilling from American Principles Project spends the balance of the show today with us. Before we get rolling, let me remind you that Inside Track is brought to you by our great supporters, Eric Rudin at Essential Pest, who shares your dislike of bugs, vermin, and weeds, Jamie and Gary Kipper from Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus, their junk is your treasure, and of course, Joy and Allie at Corazon Cabinets, cabinets for your home that you will love, and my... Uh, so, uh, and my inside tried inside track co-host Ed Wilkinson from Imus Wilkinson Wealth Management. These are all locally owned, family-run businesses you can depend upon. Eb and I do, so should you. And Bruce, let me interrupt. Mm-hmm. My Corazon cabinets still look great. Well, I hope so. They're meant to last like forty years. Well, I understand that, but you never know what you. Well, I mean, I do with Corazon cabinets, but you never know what you're going to get. They look great. The soft close feature. Wonderful. Don't you love that? Every time I open the laundry room door and turn on the light, I'm just so pleased with what I see. Now it, it's, it's, you should do it through the rest it's of the high house. Cl- well, I, I'm working on it. Okay, baby steps, right? Baby steps. All right. Before we go to our first break and greet Republican candidate for Secretary of State, Shauna Bullock, let's go to the weekend rundown. Reports circulated this week that not only Capitol Police Intel Unit, but also the CIA are spying on members of Congress. Capitol Intel agent was disguised as a maintenance person, and he was caught in the act taking pictures in a Texas congressman's office in the Capitol and then lying about his intrusion. Pathetic, unlawful behavior. How much longer can America stand this deceitful behavior by Democrat socialist tyrants who have held on to power way too long. Imagine if we actually had a media in America who would widely report their crimes. Hmm. The CCP genocide games begin their second week. I'm pleased to report I have not watched one second of the games, and apparently very few others are watching either. The communist Chinese government blew millions of dollars on the games and literally no one is watching in person or on TV. And the Winter Olympics are a bust. Athletes report living in squalor, forced isolation, and forced to eat spoiled food. Speaking of communist, Russia foreign minister Lavrov claimed Western reports that his country was about to invade Ukraine were lies. I suppose no one told him there were 120,000 Russian troops and hundreds of tanks who were all massed on three sides of Ukraine. Why else would Russia move their best troops into place if they weren't planning an invasion? President Brandon talked with Vlad Putin today. The meeting got off to a rocky start when he referred to the Russian president for life as Chairman Brezhnev, and things went downhill from there. The blundering president had another forgettable week when he couldn't recall Abigail Spanberger, who he was 
campaigning for in Virginia. He took a half an hour ride out there. He couldn't remember her name, referring to her as Congressman Virginia. Oy oh, my God. Only 35 months till a change. Speaking of changes, your IRA investments probably lost about 2% of their net worth this week on Wall Street as reports of runaway inflation at 7.5% uh, have been uh, reported uh, in various outlets. All of this is um, increasing, is is at risk of, uh, <laughs> all of this is going to create higher interest rates, which has already spooked investment. Uh President Brandon downplayed the inflation again as transitory. I'll share a little story with you. My wife, uh, I'm not bragging, my wife was in the White House uh, Oval Office with President Bush right before the big uh, uh, meltdown, economic meltdown in 2008. Uh, the president asked my wife, I wasn't there, asked Jane, uh, what I did. She said, well, my husband's in the real estate business. The president looked at her and said, don't, don't worry. Don't listen to any of those reports about the economy uh, being about to fail. My wife called me that night. I was in Israel and she said, Bruce, we are effed. <laughs> the Biden tax plan, uh, uh, excuse me, the Biden inflation task costs Americans, the average family, about 250 bucks a month. Weakling Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau returned from his spider hole earlier this week to jeers even from his own party during question time. The truckers' protest has forced American automakers to shut down factories because of diminished imports of parts from Canada. Dear Justin, how about growing a pear and standing up to the Canadian COVID crazies and free up the supply chain crisis you created and perpetuate your draconian mask mandate for truckers. Remember the trade deal China had signed with President Trump in January 2020, right before the CCP unleashed COVID on the world? When China committed to buying nearly $200 million worth of American goods, well, I guess China forgot about it too, as new trade data shows it didn't increase its purchases of things at all. In fact, it bought less of them than they did before the baseline year of 2017. You can bet the ranch the CCP will never honor their agreement under this president. British police have made three arrests after a leaked dossier on anti-Semitism within the Labor Party there was leaked. Uh, the file of an internal Labor Party investigation into anti-Semitism by its own members was leaked to a London-based radio talk show last year and contained alleged social media posts by Labor activists. Allegations include the longtime anti-Semitic bullying of a child by a Labor counselor, which included a recording where he bragged, we shall rid the Jews who are a cancer on us all. Back to President Brandon again, who pledged during the 2020 campaign to be a slave to the unions. He's accepted a task force report designed to steer trillions of BBB dollars, that's build better broke and bankrupt uh, dollars, to union companies that, quote unquote, advance worker organizing and collective bargaining and discourages federal agencies from issuing contracts and grants to employers that, quote unquote, don't show 
strong labor standards. This blatant anti-competitive government policy makes all Americans slave to the unions once more and is a threat to a right-to-work state like Arizona. Believe it or not, Joe Brandon rescinded a laughable proposal this week he had made earlier to supply dopers $30 million for crack pipes to promote racial equity. Wow. The original proposal was to supply crack pipes to addicts primarily in poor uh, black and Latino neighborhoods. The hypocrisy and discrimination of low expectations demonstrated again by Democrat socialists on America's vulnerable populations they claim to be helping. Some help, right? My prediction for the Super Bowl, that's Super Bowl 56, Rams by 7. But the real losers in this game are the suckers paying up to $4,000, not for a ticket, but a parking space two blocks away from SoFi Stadium. Finally, in the news, the latest installment in the Jackass movie series, Jackass Forever, is still a big hit in theaters this past week. And tonight, we'll be celebrating our friend Gary's birthday in grand style with dinner and the Jackass Forever movie experience. That's what old guys do to amuse ourselves. That's the rundown for this week, Mr. Producer. Hi. Yes. I want to... What the hell do you want? (laughs) (laughs) Hello? I want to speak up. In uh, in the name of the American Crack Pipe Liberties Union, you would. I think Biden's retraction of his policy is just despicable. Why doesn't the man keep his word to give out free crack pipes? Okay, well, that's a question that I guess we'll just have to <laughs> we'll have to wait uh, for another time to hear. Where else in America okay. can you find out that the government supports crack pipe users and throws the people that believe in ivermectin under the bus? There you go. When we it's return, all Geo- on Hunter Biden's laptop. See when ya. we return, GOP candidate for Secretary of State in the August primary, Shauna Bollock joins us. You're listening to Inside Track, and in spite of what you've just heard of the last couple of minutes, nothing stay like live tuned. radio. We'll be right back. Jamie Kipper and her father Gary Kipper from Tucson Iron and Metal. What are they going to see when they come through the gates? So when they come on in, they'll see our building up front. People have free reign to then go out and look in the yard. So it's not a typical scrapyard with a ton of big machinery. We have a couple of forklifts around, but that's about it just to help move material. So when you come in, it's all organized by material, whether it's square tubing, angle iron, roofing. And then there is a pile in the back, which is still organized and easy to get through. But that's stuff that comes over from the scrap. So we're unique in that we get stuff in from the scrap, which a lot of artists and people will like or reuse, whether it's a sink that someone needs for their house. We sell literally anything made of metal. Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. Call 209-1579. Stop by the yard, 701 East 36th Street. Open Monday through Saturday. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up with science. You mean you don't use a shoe? No, we use the latest in technology and innovation to eliminate bugs, termites, weeds, and more. No spray cans and lighters? None of that. Only solutions that target insect biology, using chemistry to help protect the environment, people, and their pets. Huh. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up. Call 886-3029 or visit EssentialPest.com. Ask not! What your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Wouldn't it be great if political leaders could create that country again? 
Learn how to do exactly that, one family at a time. Call me, Eb Wilkinson of Wilkinson Wealth Management at 777-1911-WilkinsonWealthMGMT.com. Welcome back to Inside Track. Eb here. Bruce is over there continuing our service to present as many Republican candidates as possible in the upcoming 2022 election. And I'm very pleased to welcome back Shauna Bollock, candidate for the 2022 Republican primary for Secretary of State. Thanks for joining us today, Shauna. Well, good afternoon, Ed and Bruce. It's great to be on your show. Even though we're not a very professional radio show uh, today, uh, but thanks for bearing with us there. (laughs) One of the most professional radio shows on Saturday at 1 o'clock. Hey, before we get to your campaign news, Shauna, there's been a lot of discussion about moving the primaries to the late spring or early summer in recent years. And it seems to Bruce and I that it would be a better way for both parties to help all primary winners effectively campaign for the November general election. You know, Arizona moved their primary up by a couple of weeks a while back. Uh, But with so many voters on the early ballot list, even if they're out of town for the summer, wouldn't it make sense to move up our primaries? That's a great question. I actually voted in favor of moving it up by three weeks. Um, As you may know, a few years ago, I believe it was in 2019, they came to us and said, hey, we need to move it up because it's conflicting with the RNC convention. I said, well, I don't care about that. Can we move it up to the spring? Uh, so I did, I did vote lady. in favor of moving it up. <laughs> I did vote in favor of moving it, moving it up. But whenever they were coming through our offices and explaining to us why they were moving it up, I actually said and suggested that they should move it to the spring. And a lot of members pushed back. I believe the, that vote actually failed the first time it went up on the board. A lot of elected officials who are serving the legislature didn't want that cutting into their time to collect signatures and campaign because we're at the Capitol for so long. As you know, last session, as you know, we were there for 171 days. So there's conflicting viewpoints on that, but I, I fully support moving it up to the spring. Wonderful. Hey, um, with all the controversy about election integrity, talk about your roadmap to restore election integrity that you've just put out. So we put out a roadmap to restore election integrity, and it coincides with some of our election bills that I have been sponsoring or co-sponsoring this legislative session. I believe our roadmap is extremely great idea because it brings more transparency to the process. So last session, I had um, sponsored three election integrity bills, and they refused to let me hear any of them. So we have pulled out those pieces, and we're running those bills separately as individual items. Everything, including from the time that the county recorders order and print the ballots through Runbeck or whatever their provider is, they would be tracking these things in real time and showing the public exactly how many ballots were requested, sent, to the, sent out by the county. Those received, spoiled, uh, those passed provisionally. There's no reason for us to be waiting a few weeks after the election to find out how many provisional ballots were cast. Uh, we, we know these things in real time, so there's no reason why that can't be out there. I also have a bill that puts more penalties on the ballot harvesting. Again, that's another no-brainer situation. We had some people who were um, prosecuted by the AG's office. I'm uh, shocked. Two months ago. So why don't we put stiffer penalties? As you guys know, Dinesh D'Souza has a documentary coming out pretty soon, and it talks about the ballot mules. We spent about two hours before going back in a session meeting with some folks from Through the Vote, showing us exactly 
what they did in Georgia and oftentimes in Arizona with uh, tracking the pings from people's cell phones and the drop boxes. I have a, and I the have videos a video and the videos with that. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's, it's insane. I mean, the one video that we saw in Georgia, we have an election officer who opens the door to a mule, uh, collects who knows how many ballots, closes the door and goes about their day. Other ones, you can actually physically see them. Uh, the ballot mules taking pictures of the, each in, in individual ballot that they're depositing in those drop boxes because they're getting paid the, by ex- that. Exactly. So, and then they take off the rubber gloves and throw them away. Yeah. Well, I don't know if that was because of COVID or, or what, but obviously during COVID, they, they had them using their masks and obviously their uh, vinyl gloves. So, you know, a lot of the things that we're focused on, it's common sense ideas. I'm a huge supporter of the Arizona's for Voter ID Act initiative. It's a shame that we couldn't actually get that done last legislative session, and that's calling for all ballots that are cast to have um, an accompanying real live government photo identification. I don't understand why we had two Republicans opposed to that, uh, but I'm a big supporter, and hopefully all the folks out there who are listening right now We'll go and look up that website right now so they hey. can actually become part of that process. Sean, I've got a couple more questions before I get there. Who are the Republicans that voted against it? You stole my question. So there were two. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Hang on. Uh, Bruce has a question for you. No, you stole my question. Yeah. Speaker Bowers and Representative Joel John were opposed. I don't know exactly what their reasons were. Joel John represents part of Yuma, and he said that that's not going to help his district. So I guess, in a sense, you know, that's where the mules were, right? They were done in Yuma, <clears throat> figuring out ways to cast some illegal ballots. You know, back in 2010, I remember the AZ GOP watching the election in 2010 and having individuals on the ground documenting everything that they possibly could because you can't actually put cameras in certain parts of the polling precinct. So I have a bill that obviously would allow you to have uh, the ability to take some pictures of things that go on within the 75-foot limit. Um, You know, there's a lot of places around here um, that have cameras out, but not our polling places. So it's kind of like COVID. They shut places down and say, okay, well, you can't come in here unless you wear a mask or or show your vaccination card. But at the same time, they might have a camera somewhere. So to me, making the the transparent process out in the open for people to physically log on. When we had the audit that took place last year with the Senate, they had cameras on the entire process. You could see what was going on. I have another bill idea, and that was basically making sure that we had on the tabulation centers 24-7 feed. To me, again, you've got people down there. People are watching you, whether they're at home or if it's potentially evidence that's used for a future lawsuit. People like to say there's no voter fraud. Well, the problem is it takes a couple of years to document everything, pull it all together, and then file a lawsuit. So these would be ways for us to actually have that information. And as you guys may know, um, the Heritage Foundation, one of my former employers from a long time ago, they have a whole entire database that tracks voter ID all over the country. So, again, it takes a long time to expose where the problems are and to track it and then to file a lawsuit. Hey, uh, Shauna, we get almost no news here in Tucson being the redheaded stepchildren. Can you give us an update <laughs> on the bills SB 1404 and 1362? Uh, what bills are those? <laughs> 1404, 1404 was by David Gowan. Uh, this bill um, would require voters to have a reason to make a request to vote fi- by mail. I don't know the... So I wish I had known ahead of time I would have looked everything up for you guys. 
I, I actually am focused so much on the House right now because the bills have not come over from the Senate. Crossover week happens on the 21st of February. And that point, after that point, we start paying attention to what Senate bills are moving through. So I, Shauna, I wish what, I could tell you exactly the process where they are right now. What happens on the 21st of February? February 21st is crossover week. So the House What the hell is that? <laughs> well, that's what it's called on the inside, I guess. So we start voting out the rest of the House bills and send them to the Senate, and they do the, they do the opposite. So after that week, typically we don't have any more House bills unless we have some lingering ones for discussion on the floor. Um, or we have members who are absent, like last year, COVID last year because of Zoom. A lot of people didn't feel like coming down to the Capitol to do their job. Amazing. Some of our own members. <laughs> uh, so it's good to have you back on the show, uh, Shauna. Uh, Democrat socialists have politicized the office of Secretary of State in Arizona. There's no question about that. Describe what Katie Hobbs has done uh, during her tenure as Secretary of State and what your likely Democrat socialist opponent in the general election would do if he becomes Secretary of State. Well, whoever it is on the general side, it will be a he for sure. Um, The current Secretary of State has closed that office for almost two years. One thing that we did at the legislature last time was we took some power away from her office. Uh, One little thing that she does over there is keep the old Capitol closed, so we gave it to Ledge Council to reopen. Um, People who I have interacted with, business owners and people who are notaries, they were unable to update some of their business filings. Um, or actually get their uh, notaries uh, re-up. So I would make sure that those services are open. One other thing besides state archives, they oversee the library system. They have different monies that are pulled together from the city, the county, the feds, the state, and they keep some of the uh, Internet services working throughout the library systems in the state as well as the prisons. And I've already told folks I will make sure there's no pornography that we are paying for that are on those uh, different programs that they have invested because unfortunately there's a lot of left-wing jargon that is out on the propaganda machines from those programs and some of it leans towards pornography kind of like the books that you're seeing in the classrooms and schools k through 12. Mm. um so my my one reason of running to what run as mr bruce ash knows i uh was on the other side of a ballot access issue they the democrats sued me tried to throw me off the ballot in 2020 after i prevailed i did a public record request and i can see through the various email correspondence through Polly Desai working with one of the secretary of state staffers to throw me off the ballot before they even filed the lawsuit so i like to tell people that i don't really think um we have honest and fair elections here just knowing what political uh, maneuvers are happening in our secretary of state's office mm. The Pima County recorder has said she wants to reduce. You gotta, you gotta kind of follow the logic here. Um, Caceres says that she wants to reduce the number of polling places here in Pima County by as many as 100 locations to make it easier and faster to vote. Yeah, she wants voting centers, which is Pelosi style elections, and we all should be a hell no on on that idea. Back in uh, the spring of 2020, I had actually written a article that's well documented on the washington examiner pushing back against moving to voting centers voting centers are another way for them to not have eyes in the whole process right people in any you know anybody in maricopa county or pima county could go into one random place 
I'm a big proponent of getting back to the smaller precincts, making sure that we actually can vote right then and there. These ballot tabulation centers, in my opinion, are some of the problems. When I was over on the west side here, um, I think it was Goodyear or Litchfield Park a few months ago, a guy who was Republican PC and poll, ob- poll, poll observer on Election Day, he was teamed up with a Democrat to turn over uh, the cartridges to the tabulation center. And he told me that when he left, uh, with the Democrats to go over there. When when he got to the tabulation center, nobody was there to process anything. They didn't know he was coming. There was no chain of custody showing that he dropped it off uh, from a very red precinct. So I think getting back to the smaller precincts uh, is the way to go. I don't think totally removing the tabulation machines because people are worried about being connected to the Internet. I am a big proponent of making sure that whatever we are using is not able to be connected to the Internet. I think um, a mix of human counting is a good thing, but I also know human error is one reason why they went to the tabulation machines. So getting back to Senate Bill 1404, and and I hate to put you on the spot, but this is the one that Dave Gowan has um, uh, brought, which would require voters to have a reason and a request to vote by mail. Um, if that right. did come before you, and I realize you haven't seen the, the text of it. Yeah, I haven't seen the bill. I wish I had seen the bill. I wish I'd known but, I had time. But is that... Other states have, other states have um, this, this procedure. So I'm from Pennsylvania originally when I was in college. I had to have an excuse for why I was right. not voting in right. person. Um, I, I, so I know last, last cycle or last legislative session, Representative Payne, who represents Sun City, he, he wanted to get rid of all of the mail-in early ballots, and he got a lot of pushback. What we discovered over those couple months last year, a lot of people love voting by mail. So I know Representative Carroll this session, he is making it easier for you to walk your ballot in and actually push it through the tabulation machine after showing your ID. I think I think it'd be very hard for a Republican state that we are to go back to the fact that you would need an excuse to vote on Election Day. I'm just telling you just from watching what happened to Representative Payne last session. I would support Gowan's bill, um, but I haven't read it, so I can't say that I fully would say yes on it. Yeah. So talk about the critical importance of a bipartisan successful effort in this uh, U.S. Senate to block federalizing uh, our our elections here in Arizona and what that means to us being able to keep in control of our elections as the U.S. Constitution provides. How important right. was that? So, How important was it that they didn't end up uh, passing that in, in the Senate? Well, it's huge. I, I am not a huge fan of our U.S. senators here in Arizona, but I'm glad at least one of them had the common sense to push back. I know she supports a lot of this. You know, back in 2000, after Bush v. Gore, that's whenever the federal government came in and started really federalizing our elections. So they have given us money to keep our voter rolls clean, which has been an absolute joke, and to buy different types of machines because, God forbid, we have the whole hanging chad situation again. So we're already federalizing our elections. In my opinion, if we could just get back to Arizonans and the locals funding and overseeing the election, and if we just have a, potentially a ballot just for the federal election, that might be a solution. I don't like the fact that we're already accepting federal dollars to administer our elections. That raises a huge red flag to me because that means we have to give up so much in order to get those dollars. I don't like the fact they're accepting any federal dollars. Oh, I agree. I agree. I'm a state's rights person, so I have a hard time stomaching a lot of these things. 
<laughs> one one last uh, question, and this was certainly something that the Maricopa County Audit uh, had uh, brought up uh, uh, questions about, uh, and that is the signatures that that were on the uh, ballots. Uh, apparently, there were so many of them that came in, you know, 80 or 85 percent of the people voted by mail. Um, and it was taking so long uh, for the scanners to to uh, accurately uh, uh, assess each of those signatures that they went from the requirement, reduced that by about a third, and then Again. basically by the end of the process, I mean, there was almost no uh, validation of those signatures. What can we do to prevent that from ever happening again? Well, one thing would be to pass the legal ID for all ballots. That would actually alleviate the problem because you're putting down your personal identifying information, whether it's your date of birth, your last four digits of your social, or your voter ID. And that way you wouldn't have to rely on um, a human or even AI to ascertain whether or not that's your signature. So there's so many different ways to go about fixing these, these issues. The fact that Maricopa County just allowed these individuals to vote. One thing that I learned when I toured Runbeck, um, I don't know, like six or seven weeks ago, I can't remember exactly what the time frame was. I was told that some people, they had four people voting from their household. They sent back four ballots in one envelope. So tell me exactly which ballot counted. So I think there's a lot of problems. Apparently the voters can't figure out that you actually need to have one envelope right. with one ballot. And as you know, as soon as you separate the ballot from the envelope, you can't really audit that election. Yeah. Chain of custody is a, is a big deal in, in uh, criminal proceedings as well as uh, in elections. Uh, Shauna, how can people support you uh, financially and how can people contact your campaign to become a volunteer? That's a great question. Our website is bolickforarizona.com. It's B-O-L-I-C-K-F-O-R-A-R-I-Z-O-N-A.com. Our phone number is 602-842-1912. And we accept uh, donations and volunteers and even petition signatures. I thank you guys so much for having me on your show again. Shauna, thanks. Thanks very much for joining us. We'll have you on again soon uh, when when you want to come on. We want to make sure everybody has a chance to hear all of our candidates. Mr. Producer, let's take our bottom of the hour break, which is, as usual, a bit overdue. When we, when we return, Terry Schilling from American Principles Project joins us to talk, to talk about his big family pledge as well as his comments on President on, on President Brandon and the Socialist Democrats' uh, latest attacks on our American society and culture. You're listening to Inside Track. We'll be right back. I'm proud to welcome my good friends at Tucson Iron and Metal Retail to Inside Track as an advertiser. Jamie Kipper and her staff are conservation experts. They sell round and square steel tubing metal plate and roofing materials as well as new and used steel aluminum and stainless steel to ranchers artists interior designers roofers and do-it-yourselfers just like all of the listeners here tucson iron and metal retail is open monday through fridays 8 a.m to 4 30 p.m and saturdays 8 a.m to noon tucson iron and steel retail 701 east 36th street Call 520-209-1576 or go to TucsonIronRetail.com. And when you do call, mention this ad and receive an additional 10% discount on their already great prices. 
essential pest control leaves bugs belly up with science. You mean you don't use a shoe? <sighs> no, we use the latest in technology and innovation to eliminate bugs, termites, weeds, and more. No spray cans and lighters? None of that. Only solutions that target insect biology, using chemistry to help protect the environment, people, and their pets. Huh. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up. Call 886-3029 or visit EssentialPest.com. This is Eb Wilkinson of Wilkinson Wealth Management. I don't ever want you to be dependent on government ever again. I want you to become financially independent. You will never, ever have to depend on socialist security for your survival. We are here to guide you to financial independence. Call me, Eb Wilkinson, at 777-1911-WilkinsonWealthMGMT.com. Welcome back to Inside Track. Bruce and I are happy to greet our guest for the balance of the show today, Terry Schilling from American Principles. Hey, Terry, thanks for joining us today for an American Culture Update. <laughs> thanks so much for having me, guys. Excited to yeah. join you again. Good. Hey, you made news this week with a big announcement on a special Big Families Pledge. Tell us about that. The theory behind the Big Family Pledge is, you know, there's so many groups in D.C. that will come in and endorse a candidate and tell voters who to vote for. We wanted to do something a little bit differently uh, and tell voters what these politicians plan to do once elected and once in office. And so we've talked to uh, our thousands of our big family members. That's our membership program. Um, and we basically compiled a list of the things that parents and families wanted to have addressed and protected in the law. And so we tackle things like critical race theory. Po politicians are in our big family pledge, pledge to ban critical race theory and divisive racial concepts in school, protecting kids from gender ideology, whether it's the indoctrination school that's forcing them to believe that men can have babies or the surgeries, protecting girls' sports, protecting life from conception, natural death, and then, of course, uh, protecting children from pornography online. This continues to get brought up by parents as we, we meet with them across the country. And we've had a great reception so far. We've had over two dozen candidates uh, sign it without us even asking them to. We just <laughs> launched it and put it out into the, the political uh, realm, and, and people just started signing it like crazy. I feel like I should have added a few more promises to it to make it a little bit more difficult for these guys. But we've gotten a great reception, and it's going over very well. Well, you know, that's all well and good. However, there's three Texas GOP gubernatorial candidates uh, who Alan West, Don Huffines, and Chad Prather became the first to sign. But uh, Greg Abbott, of all people, has thus far declined to sign. Why? Well, I think we're learning a lot about politicians that are in these deep red states. Um, you know, we, there, there's a big contrast, and we're learning a lot about Greg Abbott versus how other governors like Ron DeSantis govern. Ron, Ron DeSantis has won his race by less than 1% uh, in 2018. Uh, he, it was less than 40,000 votes, but he's governing like a bold, big-vision conservative, whereas you have other Republicans like Greg Abbott who are just hesitant to do anything that's bold, anything that could shake things up. And the problem is, is that now more than ever, we need Republicans being willing to shake things up, roll the dice, and, and paint a bold 
picture for where they want to take their states and where ultimately where they want to take their country. Um, and so we're, we're just learning that Greg Abbott is not the most conservative or bold governor in the country, unfortunately. Yeah, sadly. I know Alan West. Uh, I'm not endorsing him. I'm not not endorsing him. But I know him to be a man of honor and integrity. And I know him to be a man of cojones. <laughs> yes, that's right. No, he's a courageous guy. And listen, the beautiful thing about this pledge is you don't have to endorse them. What we're doing is we're forcing the candidates to endorse us and our agenda, what we want them to accomplish. Uh, I've just, look, I've been in D.C. for a very long time, and I've traveled the country as well. You guys, you know, that I'm from, I'm from Illinois. My parents moved across the river a few years ago to Iowa. That's where the country is, right? And I think a lot of times these D.C. groups, they, they like to pick favorites. They like to tell voters, oh, this is the best guy. In reality, the voters have to make that decision, and they should be making that decision based off of what these politicians are going to do once elected into office. And, and unfortunately, with Greg Abbott, he's not willing to tell voters what, what he's going to do for families when he's in office. And that, that's really unfortunate, but thank goodness that we have strong, bold leaders like Alan West, who signed the pledge, by the way, without us even having to ask him to do it. It was just a no-brainer, like, oh, these are all not controversial, bare minimum, basic things, of course I'll sign and do it. Uh, we're, we're really lucky. There's a new generation of politicians that are stepping up to the plate, and uh, they're going to be addressing these major problems. Um, Terry, thanks for coming on the show. This is Bruce. And uh, I want to, I guess I would ask the question first, why wouldn't um, a candidate for, for governor or, or other uh, offices, why wouldn't they want to protect children or defend uh, females or or protect kids from from pornography and, and kind of this, this weird critical race theory and gender ideology? Why wouldn't a politician want to safeguard children uh, from indecency? And, and why wouldn't even Republicans come out in favor of protecting life from contraception to natural death. Conception. Not contraception. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Conception. Did I say I, contraception? I, I you said contraception. Oh my, oh my goodness. <laughs> well, you can always depend upon me for one, you know, fatal gaffe during during a program. That was just it. Mark mark it on the show or mark it on the tape. Anyway, so Look, why wouldn't a, why wouldn't somebody running uh, to to lead their state or be a senator or a House member, why wouldn't they support these concepts? For, for some reason or another, the Republican Party had had it beaten into them that social issues are losers and that if you really want to win your campaign, you have to talk about the issues that everyone cares about, which is obviously jobs and the economy. The problem with that is that the vast majority of voters already have a job, and they they yeah we they did a pretty good job with that things. didn't we yeah no, exactly <laughs> so you know it, it's not what I would argue to these guys because they they think that social issues are losing issues they think that they cause that they distract from their winning economic message and that's just garbage in reality social issues not only win campaigns social issues and the culture are are above the economy and what I mean by that is. Uh, how the culture's going and how your family structures are going, that determines the economy that you have. It's a leading indicator for what you're going to be experiencing down the road. So you can focus on corporate tax cuts and getting rid of regulations, but if your families are suffering, if your kids are being indoctrinated, 
to hate America and to think that their parents and their ancestors were racist, that you're not going to have a good economy eventually. And these guys just need to get it through their heads that the culture is actually what wins. And if you can't win on the culture, you're never going to win on the economics. So Ronald Reagan talked about big, bold colors as opposed to pastels. And and uh, President Trump definitely believed uh, the advice that came from President Reagan about being bold. Um, we have we, there's a governor from South Dakota who has always been billed and billed herself as a, uh, a conservative. Uh, yet, uh, Governor Noam, while while she has subsequently signed um, a bill in South Dakota to protect uh, females uh, participating in Title IX sports against transgender uh, uh, males uh, participating uh, against them, actually biological males from participating uh, there and in the co- uh, collegiate level, but she had to sort of be shamed into taking the position that she ultimately adopted, Right. That's exactly right. And, and, I, I, and again, that goes back to just how badly it was beaten into Republicans' brains that economics is the main focus and that social issues are a loser. And what happened in South Dakota is actually how politics is supposed to work. Yeah. Politician does something, even when they're on your team, right? You have to correct them. You have to have a strong pushback and guide them to the right conclusion. And that's what we did in South Dakota. You know, when that when that bill, when she she first when the bill passed the legislature and was being sent to her office, she said, I am so excited to sign this bill into law. And then the next day started backtracking already. Mm-hmm. And what happened is we we sounded the alarm bells. We started working with the South Dakota Family Alliance. We started working with the Catholic Conference, we started working with everyone nationally. We And we got everyone on board to put pressure on her. It didn't work immediately. But she suffered consequences and heard from her constituents and then had to sign the bill. And that's fine. That's, that's how politics is supposed to work. So, it, look, it's going to take a lot of work to get this mindset out of Republicans' heads, but we're winning this fight. Republicans are much more anxious and, and likely to support fighting in the culture because it's gotten so bad right. and it's so urgent. And, and so we're going to have an easier time, but there still are going to be a few holdouts like Abbott and like Christy Nome that we're going to have to put a lot of pressure on, but they are, you can work with them, I think, eventually. You know, that's how politics is supposed to work. We elect them to be our representatives to go into government and maintain and protect our rights. And that doesn't happen unless we reach out to those political uh, appointees or elected officials and say, look, you're not my master. You work for me. That's exactly right. No, no, no. That, that, that is exactly right. They work for us. We don't work for them. We are not their subjects. We are citizens, and we are part of the government here, right? We, we determine the future of this country. And we, have to, we also have to get over this idea that Republican uh, elected uh, elected Republican officials are untouchable. We have to hold them accountable. It's up to us. If we don't hold them accountable, no one will. It's more and important we that we hold our people accountable than the other side. I think that's right. I think that's exactly right. Because look, the American people have gotten shortchanged. They have had two two parties, two national political parties that they really can't trust. They can't trust the Democrats to do the right thing or to tell them the truth. 
but they also can't trust the Republicans to be an effective bulwark and, and a, an effective opposition to the Democrats' evil agenda. And if we want – look, the Democrats are so vulnerable, right? Like they're te- they've embraced a ridiculous and absurd agenda that's obviously harmful – teaching kids that men can have babies, teaching kids to judge each other by the color of skin. They're anti-American openly now. We can oppose them and we can beat them, but we have to have a political party that is actually fighting and, and effectively opposing them. And that's, that's what this process is. We have to be willing to hold our, our party accountable. Um, and if we can't do that, we definitely won't be able to hold the Democrats accountable. And I'm telling you right now, it's my belief that's that's why Trump... And Bernie Sanders got as far as they did because both of them really did not represent their party. And both of them really spoke what they believed. I don't doubt for a minute that Bernie Sanders believes what he believes. And the people that voted for him said these Democrats are screwed up. And the people that voted for Trump said these Republicans are screwed up. And when Trump went in and said, I'm going to drain the swamp, his downfall was that he did. And it was on both sides. And, and both sides, to include the uh, deep-seated swamp creature Republicans, said, oh, crap, I can't believe he's really doing that. No, that's right. And, and, and in fact, I have a lot of friends in the administration or that were in the Trump administration, and they all said the same thing. They said, we went in there to drain the swamp, and we did. But the problem is we, the swamp ended up being eight feet deeper than we thought. It actually was. It was a lot more powerful. It had a. They they took on what I call the uniparty. Yeah. There is this soft spoken alliance between the establishments in the Republican and Democratic parties, and they don't want things to change because they've got something really cushy and really nice, and they want to get these good paying government affairs jobs after they're out of office. Yeah. And it, Trump took that head on. Yeah, it's a symbiotic relationship where they're both sides are both parasitic creatures. Of the American people. Right. Terry, uh, it wasn't long ago that um, the National School Board Association uh, sent a letter, apparently um, uh, Michael, uh, I'll call him Michael, he refers to himself now because it's glamorous to to have a Latino sounding name, Uh, but Mike uh, Cardona, uh, the Secretary of Education, uh, kind of uh, was in back of all this. Um, th- this was the the whole thing that uh, you know parents of kids in schools were were a new group of domestic terrorists and so on, and we saw just how awful that whole thing was. You working with other groups and other groups working together with lots of groups put together a a petition. I think there were a hundred or more conservative leaders that agreed with you on this that we needed. Uh, uh, for for Cardona to resign now he hasn't resigned and it's unlikely that he will but working to but working together uh, you uh, all have really put pressure on uh, Cardona and and they've now walked back this whole domestic terrorism thing haven't they and it led also I think to Glenn Youngkin's election in uh, Virginia right yeah I, so they're 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 Publicly, they're walking back from it. But the question is, what are they doing in the background? Mm-hmm. Right? We, we had to do FOIA requests to find out that it was Miguel Cardona at the Department of Education who was the one that solicited right. the domestic terrorism letter. So if that was going on in the background and we had to find that out through FOIA requests, what are they working on now? Yeah. Because publicly, you know, it's one thing. But behind the closed doors and in those dark back rooms, 
They're plotting something, and I don't know what it is, but we're going to get to the bottom of it. The problem with these guys is they have no shame, and they aren't being held accountable by the mainstream media. Can you imagine if Barack Obama in his first term had that happen to him? They, 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 would, have been, they would have resigned, but we're in a new age of politics where there's no shame, there's no accountability, there's no independent uh, media right now. You have, I mean, Fox is the, is the closest thing to an independent media network, and that's primarily because they let their, their hosts do what they want. But CNN and MSNBC, those are just propaganda arms of this uniparty regime that we're going up against. Um, and it's really terrible, and I'm, I'm worried about what, the, what these guys are plotting next, because it, it's probably going to be worse. Terry, in the, in the Big Families uh, Pledge uh, program, number five, and I'll say it right this time, um, because I truly believe in life from conception to natural death. Uh, as as a as just not just as a Republican and a conservative, but as a human being, I think it's very it is critical to to our culture, uh, to, to for for a country to have those kinds of standards. Um, there was uh, a law passed in in Texas. Governor Abbott did sign it, um, and it uh, um, uh, really uh, criminalized abortions. A report this week. This shows this shows how much how much politicians can do to truly save lives. A report this week came out showing abortions in Texas in the first two months uh, since the law had been passed was down about 60%. Now, this is wonderful news, isn't it's it? It's huge. It's huge. And, and, and to put that, make that number even more real, I believe the estimates are that it's saved around 3,300 unborn babies. Yep. yep. Right? So that's 3,300 more human beings that we're going to have on this earth that are going to change the world in infinite ways. I think we talk about this, this issue of abortion and human life and family formation a little bit too esoterically sometimes, and we don't make it real enough. Each baby, each human being is going to grow up to be someone's friend, someone's best friend, someone's spouse, someone's parent, someone's teacher, someone's doctor. We all go on to impact each other in immeasurable ways. Like, we can't actually put a price on saving those 3,300 lives, right? Like, it, it is just so immeasurable, like, how these kids are going to go on and change the world. My mom, you know, I'm the Ulta 10 kids. I've got my sixth on the way here in May. And I know it's weird. <laughs> Thanks, guys. But my mom had this saying. She said, with, with every new baby, the world changes. And we don't know how it's going to change. You know, you, you change more. You, you do more to change the world by changing diapers than anything else, by any career you can have, by anything, any elected office you can get. When you have a baby, you are changing the world in, in immeasurable and infinite ways. It's, it's really incredible. So, Terry, we only have about a minute left. So, so the Supreme Court is going to rule on, on some of the cases, important cases that are before it right now, uh, on life issues. Um, if if we are successful in prevailing at the Supreme Court level, and it, it, it appears uh, that we may be leaning in that direction, now it's up to states to pass laws one by one by one, isn't it, that will, that will support the, the, uh, the decision that we hope will come out of the Supreme Court, isn't it? No, Bruce, that's exactly right. There's been a lot of misconceptions because of the hysteria that the, mo the mainstream media purposely puts out there. But, yeah, no, it's going to be up to the states now to pass laws. They'll be free, once again, to protect uh, human life from conception and natural death. 
that was the biggest problem with Roe is that it it, it tied the hands of of the states to protect their unborn, and um, it's really good. We're gonna you're gonna have more states passing heartbeat bills. You're gonna have more states passing 15 week bans. You're gonna have probably some states that ban abortion outright to to challenge the Supreme Court even further. Um, it's all a really good thing, and I'm excited to see what the Supreme Court comes out with. Well, Terry, thanks for standing up for American families, for American excellence, our extraordinary American culture and America's freedoms. Eb and I are proud. You have been a great spokesman for American culture and society here on a regular basis on Inside Track. Look up American Principles uh, Project. This man, Terry Schilling, and his team, these are real deal uh, people who care about our society. That's all the time we have for today's show. I hope you enjoyed our visits, both with Shauna Bollock and Terry Schilling. Um, hey, did you know that Inside Track shows are podcasted both on KVOI and on Apple Podcasts? Check us out. Over 100 Inside Track episodes are shown at Apple podcasts. Until next week when we host retired U.S. Army Reserve Officer Donald uh, Smith, his book, Steinstucken, for Inside Track. This is Bruce Ash and Eb Wilkinson thanking you for listening today and wishing you all a very good afternoon. Customers come first at Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. A lot of the the cities and counties around have initiatives for artists. I think we're one of the premier artist suppliers for steel. First Saturday of every month, you can come down early and actually go through the scrapyard across the street. It's seven acres of metal. You can walk through with our people and pick out what you want. It's always interesting to see what the artists have done. We've done uh, actually a couple projects with the U of A engineering department and music department where the engineering music students came down together. They had to pick something out of the scrap and uh, they had to build an instrument. And we have one of those in front of the plant. Some really cool things come out of the scrap. Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. Call 209-1579. Stop by the yard. 701 East 36th Street, open Monday through Saturday. This is Eb Wilkinson of Wilkinson Wealth Management. As the new year begins, many things change, but one thing remains the same. People worry about inflation, but it's just a process. Manage your wealth and you manage that process. We use the baby steps. Call me, Eb Wilkinson, at 777-1911-WilkinsonWealthMGMT.com. 